In today's episode, we have Demelza Marie with us, and she is going to talk about how course creators can make more engaging videos for your students. You will also get to hear the most important steps when creating any piece of content, how to show authenticity when recording your videos, and some great tips on the type of equipment you need to get started. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Online Course Igniter podcast, where you'll hear from successful course creators and how they were able to turn their passion into a thriving online business empire. Hey everyone, thank you for checking out the podcast today. We have video coach Demelza Marie with us today, who is going to talk about how we can create better videos for our courses and for our content. And I've been following her for some time. I'm in her group and I've been seeing some of the things that she's been putting out. And uh, I just think this is going to be a great episode. I'm glad to have you. How are you doing today? Thanks so much. I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, very good. I'm I'm excited to have you on. I've uh, been checking out your group and uh, your content and your website, and you uh, are just producing really good stuff. And um, I think this will be a great uh, episode to help out people who uh, need help with their video, which is you know very important. Being online course creators, of course. We can make courses in different ways with text and audio, but the most common is video. And a lot of people struggle with the uh, technical and the setting it up and just how to get better videos and, and so forth. And so I'm excited to dive right in. But before we do that, why don't you just take a moment and let us know what were you doing before you got into online business and online courses? Well, um, if I go back uh, a ways, I, I graduated from university actually studying film and video production. So um I entered in film competitions or video competitions and uh, I won one of those or a couple of those actually and nice. uh, went through the university and after that I was doing video work where I was able to travel a lot. I traveled almost all the countries in Europe and producing videos of different kinds and I got to the point where I had um, I have an underlying health condition and it got to the point where I couldn't uh, work outside the home basically and I had to find ways that I could work from home and in my own time based on how I was feeling at the time so I couldn't do anything where I could really commit to something on an ongoing basis because it was just so variable and so I needed to find something I could do on my own terms and I tried a few different things (laughs) but uh, in the process I came across online courses I was taking them myself and eventually the penny dropped and I was like I could make an online course (laughs) and uh, I thought about what I could do and obviously video production was um, an obvious choice because I think one of the things as course creators we tend to not necessarily see what's the most obvious choice we think (laughs) <laughs> try to think of stuff and then it's like actually the thing we're most familiar with is is the best way to go and um so I, I just was like okay I can, I can teach a video so who who could I teach the video to and being in the space that I was in I was like there's a lot of other course creators putting courses out there some of them are great some of them are not so great and if I could help other course creators who may be struggling in the same way that I was needing to work from home for whatever reason then that would be great. I could help them and I could have the revenue that I could um, sustain from working from home. Awesome. Yeah, that's a 
a great way of going about it. I think, as you said, many people neglect what's right in front of us all the time. Um, I've struggled this with myself. I'm always trying to teach some esoteric software that I just learned about instead of the things that <laughs> yeah. I'm actually good at. Exactly. Um, so, so very good. So you, you were already taking courses, so you were kind of familiar with them and how they worked. And obviously you saw good ones and bad ones and then decided to teaching, uh, start teaching yourself. What did that early, those early days look like? Um, what, where were you posting your courses? Um, how, how were you delivering that to your students? What What did the beginning phase of that look like? Well, I did it all wrong. <laughs> so um, I think as a, a course creator, we tend to think I'll create a course and then I'll sell it. And so that's what I did. I created a course in a vacuum. I didn't look at any, you know, I didn't interact with any of my ideal clients. I just thought, this is what I know. This is what I'm just going to put in the course. I just did a brain dump. <laughs> and I, in quote, launched it. And literally no one showed up. I mean, my mum did. So. <laughs> 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 Yay for mothers. But um, no one showed up to my webinar and no one bought. And obviously, it was a very disappointing experience. I put a lot of time and effort into that course. But the problem was I went about it entirely wrong. So I hadn't built an audience. I hadn't built a relationship with my ideal clients to know exactly what they needed. And in the process of picking up the pieces, I have built an audience. I know what they are wanting now. I've been able to create a course that specifically meets a course creator's needs. And um, I just host it on, that. the platform I host it on is New Zenlo. And uh, yeah, I just deliver it as an online course that people can take in their own time uh, so that they can apply it in whether they want to watch the course entirely and then apply it or whether they want to do little bits and pieces and build up their um, production as they go. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that that is a trap that most of us fall into is we hear about courses, we get excited and we spend all this time creating and then realize that uh, there's no one out there willing to <laughs> buy it from us. So um, I want to get into some video strategies and techniques and different things like that. But before we do, let's just talk a minute about um, finding that audience because you know that that's a pretty difficult process in itself is once you realize that no one was coming to your course. How did you go about actually um, getting your name out there and your brand and your business and drawing an audience in so that you could then sell to them? Okay, I used two different strategies primarily. One um, was YouTube. So I chose YouTube basically as my main content strategy. I, I think there's three, YouTube, podcasting, and blogging. And obviously with video, it made sense for me to choose YouTube. Plus it's a search engine, which is also great. So that's where I've put out my authority content, if you like, to establish myself as somebody who knows what they're talking about. And then to build my community, I've chosen to use Facebook. Um, and so I've been building a Facebook group. And again, just posting the YouTube videos in there, but also um, I, I would do lives. I would uh, post different posts and I will um, engage with people in DMs. And that has really helped to build relationships in a way that um, helps me to move my business forward, but also just to help me know as well who my audience is and what they need most. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, 
I personally love this type of strategy myself because I feel like the content, you know, your YouTube channel is important. And then the community is important because you have those direct relationships with people where you can really talk to them, which you can kind of do through YouTube comments, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So having that Facebook group is, is important. And I, I love this, especially the fact that you just chose one of each. You didn't try to, you know, do a ton of different social media and be everywhere, a blog and a podcast. I think a lot of people fall into that trap also. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I have definitely been tempted that way. I've just found that I could never keep it up. So I had an Instagram account. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to let it go and, and I'll get to that eventually. But I figured right now I just need to focus on these two platforms and I can expand later. Okay. And then what kind of content were you publishing on YouTube to grow your audience? And uh, specifically, what I would like to ask you is, how do you um, tell the difference between what you're going to put on your YouTube channel versus, say, what you're going to put in your online course? Okay, so on um, my YouTube channel, a lot of it's how-to content in the sense of just very small little bits of how to do something very specific. Um, I've also expanded a little bit. So while my main content initially was just on video related things, um, I have you know, learned a lot in terms of the course creation process. So I feel like I have an experience and expertise that can be a lot broader than just video. So I include some of those things on the channel as well, because ultimately some of those topics are going to draw people into my world, and then they will benefit from the video production things as well. Uh, so in terms of the content, uh, the the course is a lot more practical in terms of it shows you exactly what to do in, the, in terms of how to do it and the process and the, everything set up. Whereas the YouTube channel is, you know, here's a tip here, here's a tip there, here's a strategy there. So it's all a bit hit and miss. You can get a lot of the content on my YouTube channel, but it's going to be harder to actually and longer for you to actually put it into process, into practice. Great answer. I, I hope that helps some people out there. I know a lot of people get hung up on that, that um, oh, I'm afraid to publish content on YouTube because it's already in my course. And that can actually stop a lot of people. And, and I like what you said. It just, it really gives you um, a more streamlined version of how to take in the information versus trying to piece it together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Very good. So, and just to uh, continue on this for one more moment, when uh, people are coming to your YouTube uh, channel or maybe they're watching your Facebook lives in the community, where are you directing them at that point? Are you sending them straight to a course landing page or are you using some kind of lead magnet or opt-in to um, gather that audience into an email list? Normally I use a an opt-in to draw people into my email list. I feel like I don't want to, over, you know, um, shove the course into people's faces. <laughs> so I want to build that uh, relationship and take them on the journey and help them to build build that know, like, and trust factor, basically. And when I then present the course a little bit later, they're more likely to buy because they've already built a connection. There's, there's been more trust built. Okay. And what type of lead magnets are you using? Have you found any to be better than others, like a checklist versus a video versus a mini course? What, which ones are, have you been using that you've found success with? 
I think for me, the method I've gone with is I've looked at the, I've used my Facebook group to ask questions when people enter into the group and looking at the main categories that people struggle with. So I've identified about three categories, uh, sorry, about six categories, I think it is, that most people have. It either falls into equipment, they want to know what kind of equipment to use, they want to produce quality videos, or they want to feel more confident on camera, they want to maximize their time producing videos because it just takes so long, or they want to edit easier or faster or something along those lines. Um, I don't know how many that is, five? <laughs> um, so basically, I have a lead magnet for each of those different categories. And then I use whichever is the most relevant lead magnet with whatever content I'm sharing. Or if I'm engaging with people in my Facebook group and I'm asking them, you know, what, what's your biggest challenge? It generally fits into one of these topics. And then I'll basically say, hey, you know, I've got a free offer you can take advantage of and send them in that direction. That's awesome. It's wild uh, listening to you mention this because I just recently did something similar where I was taking the uh, pains and problems of my audience and creating a couple different lead magnets to address those. So I mm -hmm. love that because then you uh, you don't have just kind of a generic lead magnet. You have something that really addresses the concerns of that person. What what type of lead magnets do you use? Is it a PDF or a video or most of them are PDFs. The only one that is a video is the confident on camera. I have a video that leads into that and that leads into a challenge, which is basically a, an online course. Um, but all the others are PDFs, which they can use for, um, for reference. When you say a, a challenge to an online course, uh, is the challenge a course or are you saying it goes from a challenge into your course? Yeah, that's confusing. Uh, so the course is a challenge. So it's called the Confidence okay. on Camera Challenge. And it's it's actually um, quite gamified in the sense that it's, it's, it's like a mixture between um, Treasure Island and Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, I've, I've got a, a map of an island and you're going to rescue your ideal client. And it, the first three modules are boot camp, if you like, to learn everything you need to do in order to go and rescue your ideal client. And then the tasks, module four is practice um, tasks to help you to actually put into practice everything you've just learned. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds really cool. Um, now, this is this is a free challenge? No, it, it is a course, but it's okay. one of my cheaper courses. Okay, gotcha. So this is just kind of a more low-end offer to get people mm -hmm. in and then move them into your bigger main course. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I really like that strategy. And um, gamification uh, has been become a little more popular lately. I've actually uh, interviewed some people on the podcast with gamification strategies. And it's ex exciting to hear that you're using that also in your challenge. Are you finding good results from doing that, giving people um, objectives to complete? And, and are you rewarding them in any way? Uh, so this is uh, just literally come out. So I haven't really got enough feedback to to answer on that question because I had a different version before this. But um, the reward, I have a private Facebook group which people can post their videos into because I think if someone is struggling with feeling confident on camera, then they don't necessarily want to post their videos publicly yet. So we have a private group where they can basically practice. Um, and in that group, 
that because we got this map which you check off once you've gone through your tasks and that kind of thing you can post pictures of you with your map and you know your progress or your completion or anything like that but um there's no prizes per se yeah, other than that's cool being able to <laughs> actually say that you're more confident well, it, you know, it's wild because people just love, you know, um, competition and, and being held accountable. And that's a prize in itself. Just the fact mm-hmm. that they get to uh, post those maps and get feedback from other students and congratulations. Yep. I think that that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you struggling to create your first online course? Do you have an idea for a course topic, but don't know how to get started? It can be hard trying to figure out everything that goes into course creation. How do you outline your course? How do you set up the technology to create the content? How do you publish it so that you can begin helping others and making money immediately? We know it can be difficult for first-time course creators. That is why we have designed the Start Your First Course Challenge. Our goal is to help you get that online course published within a couple of weeks. That means that you can get your digital product to market without wasting a bunch of time. We will show you how with the easiest methods possible that we have learned and crafted over the years. You'll learn how to choose a topic, outline your course, script what you want to say, and then record the material. After that, you'll discover how to set up the platform and publish it, all with a simple system that's guaranteed to get you results fast. Beat your procrastination by taking action today. Go to startyourfirstcourse.com now to sign up. That's startyourfirstcourse.com. See you in the challenge. So let's go ahead and shift the direction now to more of the video side of things, Um, especially thinking about maybe some of the beginners out there who haven't um, created a course or maybe it's their first course and they haven't got the video thing down real well. Um, I, I would like to talk about um, the importance of um, production quality um, and and how far someone should go with that because I have personally struggled myself with perfectionism and making sure that everything is um, the best that it can be <laughs> and probably going way too far than I should have. So could you take a moment and just kind of give me your thoughts on where is that fine line of having um, good uh, video quality where you're going to keep someone interested versus you're taking it too far and spending too much time tweaking and editing? Well, I think as, you know, creators, as educators, we tend to be very um, perfectionist in in our approach. I I can identify with what you're saying. (laughs) Uh, But I, I think in terms of a course business, done is better than perfect. And if it's going to delay you from getting something out there, then it's not actually helping you. Because ultimately, if I just refer back to my original story, I spent, I don't know how many hours, it was a long time while I was pregnant, producing a course, which no one has ever seen. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so the my point is, when you, I mean, kudos to me, I actually went ahead and I, I did it and I moved forward. But to avoid spending a lot of time producing a course that nobody sees, for example, it's more important to take some important steps. Like, first of all, validate your course idea and make sure it's working and that the content is going to be something that people want. 
Because if you don't do that, then you can spend a lot of time with production and nobody sees it. When it comes to having done all of that, and now you're ready to actually produce the course or uh, redo the course in a more professional way, I think, again, there's just some key things that you need to take into account. And as long as those aspects are there, it doesn't have to be like this highly produced thing that we see that, um, you know, the multimillionaires are making. We, as the regular Joes, <laughs> you know, we, we can't <laughs> compete with that unless we got like a super amount of money. But you don't need to. The point is we want to be authentic and connect with our students. And as long as we're doing that and there's nothing distracting from that accomplishing that purpose, that is the main thing. Okay, very good. So just um, really connecting with them on a level of just providing them with good value. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So um, I think sometimes when we're on camera, we tend to lose a sense of self and authenticity and just being natural. We tend to put on a, you know, a camera persona or whatever. And I think that can um, not come across as well as just being yourself and just like talking to a friend over coffee you know, we connect better with that person. They feel more authentic and we like them, we trust them. And as long as I said that the production value isn't distracting from the content and the message that you're sharing, that's the important thing. And, and there's some very simple things that you can do to make sure that doesn't happen. It doesn't have to be terribly complicated. Okay, yeah, let's talk about what are what are some things that we can do on camera to have that authenticity uh, authenticity come across. <laughs> sure. Well, one of the things is the uh, camera angle. I think very often we don't think about the uh, camera angle in sense of how it appears to people when we're looking down at a webcam, for example. So if we're using a laptop, we're often looking down at the webcam, which is not a very good angle for us. It, it emphasizes any double chins, which we probably don't want. Mm -hmm. um, it also means that our audience is often looking up our noses and it's just not a very good angle either way. And a good way to fix that is just to raise up your laptop a little bit so that your camera is eye level. Because if you're at eye level, you're on a peer with your student and you're able to connect with them. Again, if your camera is very high up, so you've got a big screen and the camera's you're looking up at the camera, that means your students are looking down at you. And subconsciously, you know, that's not necessarily a psychologically great way to um, build that connection because you want to be the authority and mm. if they're looking down on you that might um, affect that a little bit so again like I said look for ways in which you can be at eye level with your camera or you could have it just slightly above because that tends to be more flattering but you definitely don't want it too low or too high which is a mistake that I see a lot of people make yeah, that's always it's always fun to watch uh, someone the bottom of someone's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So, so raising the camera angle is is one way that we can kind of get on a level with our students, and um, that's great because you know it's you you have to remember that there's someone on the other side of that screen, and if you're talking eye level with them, like you said, you're on a peer to peer level. And they'll probably be more receptive to taking in the information. Um, what are some other things that we can do? What about um, like 
actually getting on camera and and having that confidence. I know this is a big hurdle for people is they get shy. um, They don't know really how to talk or they stumble through their words and they don't have what we call camera confidence. Uh, What can you give us some tips on how someone can overcome that? Yeah, sure. I think one of the biggest things is to take your focus off yourself and make sure it's on your student because once we take the focus off ourselves, then the pressure is off. And we don't think about all the things that we don't like about ourselves, like our voice or the way we look or, you know, am I going to say the right thing? Because if you are focused on your student and giving them the best value, then you're going to talk to them just like you would in a natural conversation. And you're going to be able to deliver a lot more value and it's going to be a lot more natural and feel better for you. But if you're thinking about yourself and how you look and, you know, worried about all the different things that we worry about, (laughs) then you're going to be not coming across as naturally and you're going to inhibit the value that you could be delivering. Okay. Yeah, very good. Um, I I know for myself that uh, doing those Facebook lives, like you mentioned earlier, has kind of helped me with this. And I feel pretty confident. I've done plenty of courses now. I don't mind talking, but I still have that hiccup of uh, I don't look right or my hair's messed up or the background isn't perfect, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I found Facebook Lives has has helped me with that because I, I just hop on and wherever I am, however I look, I just start talking. Uh, would you agree? Absolutely. I think Facebook Lives are really helpful for just pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone and actually getting something done. Um, I think you know, as far as I'm concerned, I definitely prefer pre-produced videos. I, I feel very confident talking to the camera for my courses or for YouTube videos or anything like that. It's, it's no big deal for me now. But uh, talking live on Facebook is actually more intimidating for me, at least, <laughs> because it's live. You can't do a redo. You can't be like, oh, let's do another take. <laughs> uh, it's like, no, it came out wrong. I've got to just carry on. And I think that can be good in terms of what we were talking about earlier in terms of the perfectionism. Just being able to be like, okay, it, it's good enough. As long as I'm delivering the content and I'm offering value, that is the the most important thing. And obviously, if we know that we're coming across well in terms of we look good, we know the angles of, our, of the camera look good, we know the lighting looks good, we know the audio is good, all of those are going to increase our confidence as well. So it's definitely helpful to know the different strategies and, and tools you can use to make sure that you're coming across well on camera because ultimately that's going to boost your confidence too. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, that that sounds great. And I feel like it goes back to the authenticity, like you mentioned that, um, you know, if you're on there and you're just being real and you're providing good content, as you said, uh, people are going to appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about um, more about the equipment now. Um, so, someone who's kind of starting out and and maybe they can invest into a, a big budget. We'll 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 start with let's say the beginners who don't have much of a budget, and um, we just need to get them started. And then we'll talk about some more advanced stuff that you might recommend. So, starting with the beginners, what is some uh, equipment that can really get someone started? Um, I know that. When you start getting into this world, you're worried about the cameras and the microphones and the lighting. What are some of the bare minimums that you feel that you need to have to produce good video content, um, but without you know investing into a two thousand dollar DSLR and DSLR and so <laughs> forth? Right. Sure. Uh, so obviously, 
like, like I mentioned before, it's actually the principles of good video rather than the equipment. So as long as you know, for example, keep the camera at eye level, um, make sure you're facing the light. So don't use the overhead lights, don't have backlighting or anything like that. Um, or certainly don't have lighting from below, like having a table lamp or something. What you want to make sure is if you're facing the light, you know that you're going to look good and people can see you. And that's really important. So don't put the window behind you, for example. And uh, you also want to have a quiet environment because people tolerate bad video more than they tolerate bad sound. So in terms of equipment, I would say potentially the only investment you might want to make right up front is an external microphone. Because you can use your phone to record good videos. Presumably, you know, that, that's assuming you have a smartphone which produces, you know, HD video. But you could just use your phone and that's something that you're already familiar with. So you don't have to worry about the learning curve in terms of how to use a DSLR, for example. So use that. That's absolutely fine. I used that for my first course and it worked great. Uh, like I said, you want to get a microphone. You can get a lavalier mic or or lapel is what they sometimes call them as well. Or you could use a shotgun microphone or a studio microphone. I'm actually using a studio microphone right now in order to record this podcast. And this is great if you're going to be doing computer-based courses where you're going to be sharing your screen more or you're wanting to do Facebook Lives or coaching or any of those kind of things. A studio mic is great. Just plug straight into the computer with a USB. But if you're talking directly to the camera, then you might want to use a shotgun microphone, which is basically the one that kind of sticks out on top and points directly at you because that's a great camera. It means you're not hooked up with cables, which is the disadvantage to the lavalier mic or the lapel mic because you then have cables that you've got to hide and that kind of thing. Incidentally, in order to hide a lapel mic, feed it underneath your shirt and then just clip the very top of it to your collar of your shirt and then you don't have wires hanging down, which is not so great. Okay, and the the lavalier or the lapel bike is the little mic you see whenever it's like clipped to someone's jacket or their shirt? Yep, that's right. Okay, and when when would you want to use a microphone like that one versus the studio or the shotgun microphone? Uh, if you're going to be doing anything where you're looking away from the camera, so for example, the, uh, the shotgun microphone is great if you're looking at the camera, but if you look away, then it's not going to pick up your voice. So if you're going to be demonstrating something or you're moving around, I, I would choose the lapel mic because then it's always right beneath your mouth and it's going to pick up good sound wherever you are, regardless of what orientation you are to the camera. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when whenever someone is um, getting started um, with creating video and choosing the equipment and, and getting going, what are um, some of those mistakes that you often see the beginners make over and over? If you could... Um, Teach everyone right now in a couple minutes the biggest mistakes that someone makes in the beginning and how to overcome them. What would that be? Uh, well, first one would be, like I said, bad camera angle. Another thing in terms of camera angles is to make sure, or I say the camera angles, think about what's in your background because a distracting background is also very amateur in terms of if there's things lying around or you know whatever, it just doesn't look very good. And one of the things you might want to look out for is mergers, which is basically anything that looks like it's sticking out of your head <laughs> or <laughs> sticking out of your body in some way, because that's very distracting. And the camera has a harder time differentiating between um, dimension. 
So it doesn't necessarily see that there's you know two or three feet between you and whatever is behind you. And it will kind of put them all together and it makes it look weird. So think about when you're looking in your lens, look around you, make sure that there's nothing sticking out of your body or, you know, you've got a flower pot sticking on your head or whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, because like I said, that would be distracting. And if you can brand your background, that's even better because if you can brand your background with th like things that would relate to your topic. So for example, I have camera lenses, flash flashes, cameras, I have a clapperboard, all of these kind of things back up my content in terms of I teach video production. Mm -hmm. And if you can think about whatever your topic is and put some of those elements into your background, that's going to reinforce the messaging that you're communicating. Um, and again, branding colors, all of those kind of things can can really help. Yeah, I've I've really appreciate the branding you've done because I, I feel like you've done an amazing job. Uh, your website, your video content, your group, um, everything just kind of goes together, and and you know that that's your brand, and it it really does emphasize your uh, brand awareness and your authority. Absolutely, and you know, in terms of wanting to come across as professional, someone who has a consistent brand across all these different platforms is going to come across more professional than someone who's a bit hit and miss. <laughs> right. Okay. So I know that, you know, we have a lot of beginners who listen to this podcast and are kind of getting started, but there's also a lot of people who listen that are advanced and they've, you know, created uh, maybe a couple courses already. Um, are there any advanced techniques or any tricks or anything strategies that you could talk about regarding equipment or video or being on camera that could really take someone from a beginner level uh, to the next level? Yeah, so I've recently upgraded my set, if you like, and I am now using um, a more complex setup. Now, obviously this costs a little bit more because you need more equipment, but it really makes a big difference in my opinion. And it makes it a whole lot easier to record as well, especially if you're doing lives or um, Zoom calls. So basically what I would recommend if you are in this stage is to get a teleprompter and a camera monitor and a few cables and things like that. <laughs> and basically what you want to do is you can connect the camera monitor to your camera so you can see what's on your camera screen. Put that monitor on the teleprompter and then basically you can see yourself in the teleprompter. Mm -hmm. That means that you can look directly at the lens and you can see yourself on camera. Because I, I think sometimes we, this is another mistake, we are tempted to look at the selfie screen mm -hmm. and talk to the selfie screen rather than to the lens. And of course, our audience is the other side of the lens, not the selfie screen. So very often it's, it's helpful for us to get that feedback. So by putting the monitor directly in front of the camera lens, by placing it just under the, in the teleprompter um, slot if you like uh, it means that you can see yourself and make sure everything's coming across well but without looking at a selfie screen and then what you can do if you have the full setup is you can connect it to your computer and use a little switch and then you can switch between what the camera sees and what your computer sees now the benefit to this is if you can see what your computer sees and you can put it to your monitor and then broadcast it up onto the screen right in front of your camera lens. That means you can do your 
Facebook Lives. You can do your Zoom calls where you see people and have coaching calls and you're having conversations with people. You can talk directly to them and still be looking directly at the lens. <laughs> that is amazing. I have thought about this myself before. Um, I travel now, and so I, I can't take a whole studio with me. I have every, my whole business in a backpack pretty much. Wow. <laughs> but, but back at our old house, I had started building a studio. And I thought about the same thing that you're talking about because I was thinking to myself, if I got uh, a, an iPad or a laptop and I could project it into the teleprompter, then I could do what you're saying, which is see Facebook comments and, and see the people you're talking to without having to look away. So that's that's a great piece of advice. I really like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, time goes so quickly on these interviews. Um, I, I wish we could talk for hours because I have so many more questions. Um, but I would like to go ahead and wrap up by just asking you, you know, you, you started this journey and in the beginning you didn't see a lot of success and now you're uh, growing your audience, you're finding success, you're building up that email list and, and selling your course. Where would you like to see your business going forward in the future? How, how would you like to help out more um, given the chance to do everything that you'd like to do? Yeah, so um, I'm obviously still in the process of building out my business model. There's a lot that goes into it in terms of funnels and webinars and obviously the different courses for different stages and that kind of thing. So I'd like to go ahead and finish building all of that out so that I can serve everyone at the different stages best. And just to be able to scale everything so that more people know that this opportunity exists to help them with production and course creation as a whole, because I, th I think the experience that I have had over the last nearly four years now in course creation and also in video production is a, a good marriage <laughs> to being able to help those who are getting started and want to create a course that will not bomb right away, <laughs> but will uh, <laughs> go ahead and hopefully make them some money a lot quicker than it did for me. <laughs> nice. So thinking about that person who is starting this journey and, and going back to your early days, what is one piece of advice that you would like to give the listener out there who hasn't created a course yet and they're thinking about doing that? Um, well, I've got two, if that's okay. So one would be oh, if, yeah. you <laughs> if, if you have the money, invest in a mentor because that it will ultimately save you a lot of money trying to figure it all out by yourself and a lot of time trying to figure it all about yourself because there's so much to learn. It's not just create a course and people will buy it. So I would invest in a mentor who can guide you through the process. If you don't have the money for that right now, then I would look into finding somebody who has done what you want to do and look at any courses or offers that they have that you can follow in, in, a, in a free sense. And then the other thing is, make sure you're building your audience because one of the things I made a mistake was I was thinking I can't build a course and build my audience at the same time. And I picked building the course instead of building the audience. I would recommend doing it the other way around and build your audience and do a beta with your audience and make sure that your content is going to sell before you spend hours and lots of hours and lots of money potentially actually creating the course that no one ends up buying. Perfect. Those are some great answers, some great tips of, and advice that you've given us today. Um, and I just appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing uh, this wealth of knowledge with everyone. If people want to find out more about you and your business, where can they do that? 
I would just go ahead and uh, check out the website, which is demalzamarie.com, and everything, all the latest offers will be there in terms of uh, how I can best help you with your journey. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Demelza, for coming on the show today, and I just wish you the most success in the future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us today, Demelza. You can find out more about her and her business by visiting demelzamarie.com, or you can get the show notes of this episode along with links and resources by visiting onlinecourseigniter.com forward slash 28. Stay tuned next week for an all new episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Online Course Igniter podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. If you would like to learn more marketing strategies and how to sell your online course, then also check out our free community where we share tips, tricks, and tutorials at onlinecourseigniter.com forward slash community.